We're talking to Almighty God. Say this, Father, I believe with all my heart that your Holy Spirit is here. So today I give you my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my mind. And I boldly declare that today I will be changed by the Word of God in Jesus' name. As we always do, tell yourself, tell someone, as many people as you want, I will be changed by the Word of God today. Amen. Thank you so much for coming to church today. I know we have a lot of families still. Uh, we have to remember it's a four-day weekend, and uh, thank you that you're here today. Uh, I'm going to make a couple announcements, and we have a little children's ministry presentation we'd like to do. First of all, uh, we do need workers for December 10th. I know that I announced that, but our Christmas Spectacular, I just found out from Kathy, who's our Seeds of Faith director, that we have parents that don't come here that are coming with their kids. She estimates about 30 parents, 30 uh, kids that are coming, and so we need help. We're going to have food and, and fun. There's stuff going on outside. It's like an indoor harvest fest, but we're doing the Christmas Spectacular. So please, we need you guys to get involved. All you have to do is kind of stand there for 30 minutes overseeing things for different activities. Sign up where you want to get involved. Maybe you can even involve in that activity. And then Tuesday, this Tuesday, we are decorating the church. So if you are around during the day, we could use your help, especially guys. We have to bring a lot of stuff in from our store pavilion out there and bring it in and get set up for that. Uh, Bible school will begin in January. Those of you who are Bible school students, or maybe you want to start a new year. Starting Tuesday, January 2nd, Darla will be teaching Christ the Healer, Reverend Darla, excuse me, to Christ the Healer. And then Thursday, January 4th, on Thursday nights from 6.30, 8.30, I will be teaching on the mature believer. There's a lot of things we can be to become and do to become mature believers. Amen? All right, praise God. Marky, come on up. Judy, if you give her a microphone. Oh, do you have a microphone? Okay. You don't know it. We have a whole downstairs floor with kids and teenagers down there, and we have a lot going on, so we'll let Marky handle this. Hey. All right, guys. So just so you know, they already had me cheering up back there, so I will probably cry again. Um, but that's just me because that's how passionate I am about these kids. Okay. Um, so your kids are amazing. How many of you guys heard them praising back there? <laughs> How awesome is that? Is there anything more real than a child praising God? And I totally didn't plan that with Brian, but that's one of their favorite songs. So um, it just worked out perfectly. Um, probably so you guys could see what we do down there. Okay. Um, today we're here honoring three kids. Um, we have a lot of amazing kids, but today we're honoring these specific three. Back when I first got back from maternity leave, like the beginning of September, I think, we rolled out a competition to memorize memory verses. Um, and these three memorized the verses that they were required to memorize to get their Bibles, okay? Um, and Ryan has, Ryan has had his memorized since, I have it listed here, October 1st, I think. That's pretty awesome, because I gave them till today. <laughs> so he has had his memorized since October 1st. Caitlin finished hers up the 5th of November. Amen. Yeah. And Olivia pulled hers in by the skin of her teeth this morning. <laughs> but she did it. She did it. Um, when, when we're hiding the word in these kids' hearts from this age, this is what makes adults who, who are, are bringing people to Jesus. 
this is what is needed for downstairs. Um, I have a lot of, I, I'm gonna try to cut this short, I'm sorry, I'm rumbling, ah. I'm mumbling a little bit. Okay, so they also would like to recite a verse for you if that's okay, is that cool? Um, two of them are the same, but I think you'll enjoy it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 23. How many of you guys know that verse? Just saying. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. Amen. All right, so this started out as a problem. We have a lot of kids downstairs. How many of you guys use your phones for your Bibles now? Because I know I do. Kids don't have phones yet. So the problem is that they don't have Bibles downstairs. So I think like uh, I took a total of like five servant leaders saying, this is a problem, and we all came up with a solution. Um, somebody said, what if we do a competition? Somebody bought Bibles and gave them to us. Um, and it just, we all work together downstairs. It's a big team of people who work together to put seeds into these guys' hearts. Okay? So our first Bible goes to Ryan Lauder. And then somebody else contributed, contributed awesome bookmarks too. Ryan chose this one. <laughs> all right, Ryan, here's your action Bible. Good job, buddy. Caitlin O'Dell. And Olivia Hall. All right, so just a couple last things. So my biggest heart for, for talking to you guys today, one of the things is connecting you guys to downstairs. I want you guys to know what's going on downstairs because I know sometimes we kind of live separate worlds. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but I started to put newsletters out at the info desk. Grab newsletters. Read what's going on with us downstairs. Read where we're headed. I constantly have like a list of the stories that we're heading towards and stuff like that. That way when you see a kid, you can ask them, you know, what did you learn today? Or you can help reinforce it by asking them a question that makes them think, okay? Um, it is, we are going to be doing some type of outreach, some type of memory thing, and some type of event all the time. I think it's important for these guys to know that we're not just learning about Jesus here at church. We are taking him and showing him to others. Okay. Um, so since I have you all here as an audience, next Sunday what we're doing is there are two local kids who won't get to see their father this, this Christmas. Um, so what we are doing is I've asked the kids to bring in a small gift or trinket or whatever it is that reminds them of some of their favorite childhood memories. And we are going to write them a little note to give them a little bit of Christmas cheer. Okay, so if you guys can, and 
just something small, but if you guys that have kids can make sure that they bring something back next week, that would be awesome. <laughs> and I think I can't leave you, guys go, leave you guys go without saying that you have the opportunity to speak into these kids' lives, okay? I am not going to stand here and like guilt you guys into volunteering with us, but you've seen how amazing these kids were. Did you guys hear, I, if Nathaniel Clancy back there is like four years old, okay? He was the one you heard the loudest. <laughs> and he's always doing that. But we need all of your help to do that. So I'd encourage you, whether you have kids down there or not, see me or Sharon, I'm not sure where she is, see me or Miss Sharon down there so that we can get you guys set up, okay? Amen. Come on, let's stand up and give them a round of applause. <clears throat> and if you haven't noticed, the rest of them are all back there. They were singing their little hearts out. Praise God. Amen. Well, you can be seated. You know, I'm always amazed. If you get to talk to kids whose parents don't go to church, it's absolutely amazing. They know nothing. I mean nothing about God, nothing about a Bible. They don't even know what it is. Church, they've heard about it. God, they think he's a fairy tale. And I thank God that some of these kids are coming without their parents. Seeds of faith kids are being planted, seeds in the word of God in them, and it's affecting them. And if you have the opportunity somehow, you know a kid in your neighborhood, maybe the parents don't want to go to church, maybe they want to go to church, because they will affect the, the parents. Amen? All right, put your hand out to me, and we're going to just pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the word of God today. I thank you, Lord, that I accurately, correctly convey your heart to your people today. You have something special to say to us today, Lord. And I thank you that I, as your messenger, will do the right thing, say the right thing. Use me, Lord God. I'm nothing more than the glove. You're the hand. Thank you for hearing ears today. In Jesus' name, we pray in agreement, and everybody says, Amen. Praise God. We're entering into the Christmas season. I thought I'd get off the topic of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit won't allow me to. However, we're coming into the Christmas season. I don't know about you, I love the Christmas season. It seems as if people are a little more open and happier about things in life. I don't know if you noticed, we came home last night, we worked a little bit on our lights on our front porch, and we just kind of, our house sits kind of back, so we're really the only ones that see it in the neighbor behind us. But we like the lights, and we like decorating. We're thinking, should we bother turning them on tonight or not? So we went out, and then on our way back, it was dark. I was astounded about how many houses were already decorated for Christmas. You know why? Because we love the season of Christmas time. We can't wait. And as kids, we remember. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. And I was thinking, as we enter into the Christmas season, we need to recognize it as the most opportune time to talk openly about how Jesus has changed our lives. Just singing a Christmas song, and I thought about just preaching on the Christmas songs, but taking excerpts from a couple of those songs reveal the incredible truths of what it means to be a believer. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. People are singing that. Let earth receive her king. Do they know what that means? What an opportunity to share. Think about it. 
O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, all ye citizens of heaven above. Here on earth, citizens of heaven here on this earth. What does that mean? The Bible says that you are aliens. You are strangers. You are pilgrims in a land which is not your home. Say this, this is not my home. I remember one time working on my gardens. I love being outside and it was so beautiful. And that little voice whispered and said, this is not heaven. I can't get that attached. But heaven is a place where we will go. I think it's a recreated earth that's going to be absolutely beautiful. It's going to be with loved ones and, and people we know and don't know. And, and just this earth, perfect. I don't know if you've ever been in places on this earth where man has not touched it. It's beautiful. Colors are coordinated. The birds are there. The animals, it's just absolutely beautiful. God created that for you here on this earth, though I'm not a citizen of this earth. What does that mean to someone when they sing that? Oh, come all ye citizens of heaven above. I'm not a citizen of here. I'm a citizen of heaven, even here on this earth. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. What does that mean? People are singing that, and I wonder if we're like Philip, who's called alongside of a eunuch who's riding in a chariot, recorded in the book of Acts, and this guy's reading the Bible, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, I have no one to explain it to me. And so he's led by the Spirit of God to say to the eunuch, let me explain what it means. What an opportunity for someone to sing that song. Imagine being in the checkout line and, or being somewhere at work and you're singing, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. What's that mean? Can you explain that? These are questions to ask people who may join you in those songs at Christmas time or any time. The thing is, are you prepared to answer those questions? Are you prepared to give the answers? I don't know about you. I'm a little shy about that stuff. It's, tough. it's one thing being in church amongst family, but how about outside? If I hear someone singing that song or I see someone in need or I just sense by the Spirit of God that something's needed. Last week I told you one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give us the ability to witness, giving firsthand evidence that God exists to a world that thinks he's a fairy tale. Maybe you seem to lack the ability and the power and the might to be that witness. Wow, ability, power, and might. Sounds familiar. Well, you're not alone in realizing that you can't do this alone. And don't feel bad because even Jesus as a human being knew he could do nothing without the edge. We say the edge. Man, we need the edge. You need the edge on your job. You need the edge if you're in your sports. You need an edge as a parent. You need the edge. What's the edge? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary, so let's define it by dictionary terms. It means the sharp, cutting part of a blade. It means sharpness. It means keenness. It means an advantage. I don't know about you, I'd like to have an advantage on this earth. And I love this part of the definition. Never saw this before. Listen to this. The part farthest from the middle. The part farthest from the middle. You know, there's a, an animal called a lemming. Anybody hear of it? 
And lemmings have this weird thing that they do. I don't know how often they do it. They kind of just follow each other. And as one goes off the cliff, they all go off the cliff. I don't want to be a lemming. I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to be in the middle. God wants you to be on the edge, the very farthest part from the middle. You have the edge over everybody else on this earth. What is the edge? I think the edge is like being far from the crowd, far from mediocrity, far from complacency, far from just being the Christian that says they're a Christian because they're not a Jew or they're not a Muslim. But being a Christian or being a believer means you're somebody special. You're somebody different on this earth. Not pride, not a lack of humility, but a boldness. Listen, we were put on this earth to learn to trust God. Can you imagine Moses? Oh, how blessed he was to be in the house of Pharaoh, to be in line to be a Pharaoh. And then in his own ability, his own might and his own power decides to take things in his own hands. And what does he do? He sees one of his brother Jews being beat up by an Egyptian. So he kills the Egyptian and he buries him in the sand and and his own people are going to think on him. They're going to tell on him. Say, oh yeah, we saw you. And so he takes off into a wilderness, a man in line to be Pharaoh. You know, I have problems sometimes. We all do. Sometimes I fight sickness and disease and I wonder why God doesn't heal me. I'm sure Pat's wondering why. Why not now? And then I think about Moses. God says to me and to him, are you willing to trust me in the wilderness? Moses waited 40 years before he was called of God. 40 years. I'm impatient in a week. Can you trust God in infirmity? Can you trust God when things are not going the way you want them to go? Can you trust God? And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to have the edge. It has the ability and the anointing to say, Lord, I don't know why you're not moving right now. I don't know why I'm in this wilderness when I was called to be Pharaoh. I don't know, why am I out here? Imagine how he probably, you think he would have given up on God. No, this is a time when you press into God, when things aren't going right. So you can prove to God you love him, whether he does what you want him to do right now or not. Jesus knew he could not fulfill or even know the will of God, what God wanted him to do. So the Holy Spirit led him to a place of solitude and silence. I found out something in my few years being a Christian and a pastor, that nothing can happen in my life without God's permission. And with that understanding, things go on in my life, and I say, Lord, how can you allow this to happen to me? I cannot believe you're the author of this. And the Spirit of God would say to me, I'm not the author of it, but I'm learning you, I'm teaching you how to stand in in adversity. I've always said this, godly character is formed in the fires of adversity. You don't need faith when everything's great. You don't need trust when everything's great. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you can do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Jesus knew he couldn't do it. He needed an edge. He needed more than himself. So tempted by the devil to try and change his mind, Jesus 
overcame the desires of his flesh. I want it, and I want it now. God, why won't you give it to me now? That's the desire of your flesh. I always say this. I know two things. There is a God, and I'm not him. I can't figure out why God does what he does. It's not my job to try to figure it out. All I know is, can I trust him? Can I have faith in him? Jesus overcame his flesh, the pull of human pride. Ooh. The desire to excel and be famous, desire to have everything he could ever desire, and this is the strongest desire in men and women, is to be wanted, validated by other people. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 tells us that when Jesus went through his trial, now he did it and who knows, it said after 40 days, so we really don't know how long he was in. It says after 40 days he was tempted, but how long was he tempted? Was it another 40 days? Was it one day? Was it an hour? I don't know. All I know is that he withstood the enemy. He never gave up on God. He could have solved this whole problem by saying this, phooey to God, phooey to his word. I don't believe it because I'm not getting what I want. I've waited long enough. I've had it with God. I'm going to go with what I feel, what I want to do. That's exactly what Satan wants you and wanted Jesus to say. It says that because he withstood in Luke 4.14 that he returned in the power of the Spirit. Listen, guys, I know what you're going through. But if you can stay trusting God, if you can have faith in God, if you can believe in God, if you can call on God and worship him despite what you feel and what you see, you will return in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power was the edge that he received from God called the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. Jesus explained why he was given that edge. Why we're given that edge. In Luke 4, 18, it says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Amplified Bible. I love the way it puts it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm going to put in my two cents. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the edge. Because he has anointed me. He's given me the edge to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. To announce release. Not to release. To announce release. You are released. That's what we need to tell people and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set forth as deliver those who are oppressed. You may fit into this one, downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. I love this. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Say that. Today, salvation and the free favors of God Profusely abound. That's when your grapevine is just loaded with grapes. Profusely abound. That's when you expected to get a Christmas bonus and you got three times that amount. I'd say amen to that one. Profusely abound. That is why Jesus was given the edge. The anointing of God to be a witness of the character and nature of God. Our Father, a real Father, who wants people to know the good news. What's the good news? You are saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift from me. And not of works, lest you should boast. Well, I go to church, I do this and I do that. What about Jesus? 
I'll say it a million times. I go to church out of appreciation, not obligation. I pray out of appreciation, not obligation. I read the word out of appreciation, not obligation. I get involved in my church out of appreciation for what God has done for me. Jesus was given the edge to explain and demonstrate the will of God. Listen, it's the will of God. It's the nature. It's the character of God to be a real father. He wants you to know the good news. He wants to tell people you've been released from captivity. He wants them to have the blinders removed from their eyes so they can really see. It's his desire to deliver those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, broken, crushed by calamity. That's everybody in this room. At one time or another, you're broken down, bruised, crushed by calamity. But Jesus said, I will deliver you. It is God's desire that people know that this is a time when God's salvation and his favor and his blessings and his benefits profusely abound to those who believe in them. They're right there. Imagine waking up Christmas morning and your name's on a hundred gifts. And you go, oh, hmm. I don't deserve those. I don't deserve those. You don't even bother to read the tag. Read the tag. These gifts are yours. They're given to you so God can have you stand out to show others that God is real. But pastor, I've been sick like everybody else is sick. Yeah, but you're going to get healed. When God's ready to most... I always think about the, the Israelites when they're, when they're crossing. If you've ever seen the movie, they're crossing the Red Sea, and there's mountains of water on each side, and they're all, they're all on the other side, and here comes the Egyptian army. They're three-quarters to them on dry land, and at the opportune I'm sure they were crying and moaning and groaning. But at the most opportune time, yeah, that's what's going on in your life. At the most opportune time, What's the, when it's going to affect the most people, God's going to move in your life. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, if we have talked about that so much. Jesus told the disciples, and there were a lot more than 12 folks, that they would receive the Holy Spirit and be anointed. They'd be given the edge, the power, the ability, the might to do what God, Jesus, was appointed to do. The works that I to do, shall you do also. That's what the Word of God says. And greater works than these shall you do. Those who desired that anointing, that edge, to remove, be removed farthest from the middle, no longer normal, complacent, mediocre, but to be filled to the fullness with the power of God to do Luke 4.18. And you make your mind up that you no longer just want to be another Christian. God will empower you. When you make that decision that you want to be a blesser of others, you are permitting the anointing of God to operate unhindered in your life because all you are is a conduit from God through me to others. You're nothing more than a vessel, a conduit. Imagine that picture of water you have on your table boasting about what a great thing it is. It can do nothing. It's nothing but a receptacle that needs to be poured out into someone's glass. God pours us out into the lives of other people if we're available. Listen to this great exhortation by Paul, the apostle, to those who desire the edge. Once again, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 19. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper. 
Arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Shall make the day dawn upon you and give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of your time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague or thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and grasping fully what the will of the Lord is. The Spirit of God gives you that will. The Spirit of God will show you what to do. But you've got to be willing. Lord, use me. It may be just to your kids or your wife or your husband, but you're calling for God. It is the fullness and that, anoint, that anointing that enables us to accurately and effectively carry out what God has called each of us to do. Each of us have a different calling. You're like secret agents placed in a secret place or a public place where when God wants you, you'll hear, now, I'm sending you a person into the showroom. I'm sending you a person into your classroom. I'm sending you a person while you're shopping. Be ready. All of us who have asked God to baptize us with his Holy Spirit has given us the edge. The question is, have you lost the edge? We can go through our life as Christians working under our own power or choosing to operate with the power and the anointing and the edge of the Holy Spirit. It's all about dependency. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10 says this, Since a dull axe requires great strength, sharpen the blade, that's the value of wisdom. A dull axe. You ever use a dull axe? It's like hitting something with a rubber mallet. I remember a joke of an old timer. Used to use those big saw blades back and forth to saw wood. And he heard about this new invention called a chainsaw. So he goes to the drugstore and here it is. He takes it home and a couple days later comes back and the drug the uh, hardware store guy says, Did I say drugstore? Hard worse, well, believe it or not, drug, uh, drug fair, but I dated myself. Rite Aid does sell chainsaws. Toy one, right. Mm, okay. He goes back to the hardware store, and the, the guy, the owner goes, how's it work? He goes, man, this thing don't work. Where's the lid? He said, well, did you put gas in it? He goes, gas? He was using it like a saw. You guys are slow, or I'm bad at telling jokes. Can't do it on your own. Can't do it on your own. Since a dull axe requires great strength, sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. Success in what you do for God is made up of two factors on our part. Obviously, we need the Holy Spirit. But if we're going to have success in God. And success in God is success in life, by the way. Two factors. Vision and passion. Got to have vision. You got to have passion. I heard something. I was reading it last night. I have a tendency to dwell on my past and I get down. And I read with this guy. I wrote, took notes when he preached. And he said, 
God's name is I am. He's the God of today. When you dwell in the past, God is not there because he's the I am, not I was. And if you dwell only on the future and worry about your future, he's not the God of I will be. He's the I am. He wants us to be concerned with today. He'll take care of tomorrow. You forget about your past. He is the God called I am. Vision without passion produces stagnation. You lose your edge. You're stuck in the middle. Right? Yet the edge is the farthest from the middle. Passion without vision produces frustration. You lose your edge. You're going in circles because you have no sight in trusting God about your future. Passion consists of an intensity and a sense of urgency. How and when you get it done. One thing about ministry, and we tell people all the time, is there's something called passion. There's something called urgency. There's something called a lack of urgency or lacking tenacity. I told you many times, when you're called to ministry, God asks you to do something. When you're called, it's called to ministry, when you're called to do anything for God, you say, we make excuses. This, that, this, that. And God says, no, 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 I called you to do this. And if we walk up beyond our physical ability, I told you, I've gotten that many times up in this pulpit and not feeling well. I I was going to throw up or whatever. And I got up here and all of a sudden it lifts. Because I made the effort and said, I'm doing this regardless of how I feel, what I see. Because you'd be surprised. You'll see it. Your arm will hurt. You've been through so many, sir. Your arm hurts. And you say, I don't know how I'm going to play. And you get up here and all of a sudden it lifts. Why? Because you got the tenacity. You're recognizing the edge in your life. Again, I see the words over and over and over. When God talks about doing things for him, hunger and thirst. Seek first. Have you lost your edge? Are you confused? Are you not knowing what to do? Once again, we need that keen discernment. Listen, all success is a string of right decisions. We need the edge for success. We need the edge in our mind. We need the edge in our spirit. And that edge comes by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you know, we had people come up and we pray for the anointing. We pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got news for you. You got to do it every day. Every day. Lord, I'm yours. Use me. Ah, we all love this scripture. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. How many love that scripture? Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you read the rest of it? Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. That's our part. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Amen. Passion consists of a sense of intensity, a sense of urgency. Good enough or just enough mentally is not going to cut it. You'll lose your edge. Fatalistic religion says that it is a sin to want to succeed. You were built to succeed. Do you know that? If you were not built to progress, you'd still all be babies. You'd be sitting here as little children. But God progresses us. We grow. We mature. Fatalistic religion says 
that it's a sin to want to succeed. Mm. And yet the word of God says that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Success in God is accomplishing what God has anointed you to do. The qualifier to go from failure to success excuse me, is found in Malachi 7.8. You ready? I have an important key. Do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord himself will be my light. Good scripture to memorize. A righteous man will fall seven times. Seven times is a number of completion. You'll make mistakes, you'll fail in an area, and you'll repeat the grade till you get it right. Seven times, as many times it's going to take for you to get it. Hey, I realize I keep repeating the same thing. I keep doing this thing over and over again. It's not producing any peace or joy in me. Maybe I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm doing wrong. <coughs> Maybe I'm doing wrong. Don't criticize Christians when they fail. That may be number six. It may be number seven, but they will get back up. God is a strategy. Our enemies love our failure. But don't be afraid of failure. Be a risk taker. Stand on the word of God. Our best and most blessed days are yet to come. Again, Ecclesiastes 10.10 told us that wisdom brings success. Our drive to succeed is God-oriented. The desire to succeed is a characteristic of God. It is the Holy Spirit within us that's prompting us on. As Paul declared, I press toward the mark. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives you that edge. Not your education. Not your physical condition or your mental condition. It's the Holy Spirit. He is your edge. And again, the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ come in the Spirit. Just like Jesus was amongst his disciples, Jesus is with me. He's called the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God who dwells within me. Again, the words I see over and over again is hunger and thirst after that. Seek first. It's about what's the priority in your life. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 that the enemy comes to steal from you. He comes to try to destroy you and to kill you. The enemy does that. Well, why does God allow it? Because you need to know the second part of that. But I've come, Jesus said, that you might... Everybody say might. That's conditional. Might have life and life more abundantly. The might is, can you stand against the enemy? Can you use the word of God? Can you believe that the Holy Spirit's teaching you something? Can you stand against this regardless of how long it takes? And believe that God is with you. Jesus said that he comes that we might have life and life more abundantly. More abundantly than who? More abundantly than those who don't have the yet don't have the anointing to be an overcomer. You know, people say, well, the world's getting worse and worse. Well, Jesus told us it would. But you as a believer is getting stronger. You're getting stronger and stronger. The Holy Spirit's going to rise up big in you. 1 Peter 5.8 tells me that the devil is a roaring lion, seeks about whom he may devour. If you have the edge, the advantage, being farthest from the middle, that's where the enemy likes to hang out in the middle. That's where the weak are. The mediocre and the complacent. 
got to be tenacious about wanting the edge from God. He'll give you that edge. The anointing of the Holy Spirit to enable you to give first-hand evidence of the power, the glory, and the might of God. He gives that to those who diligently seek Him. It is the edge that makes us all that God wants us to be. It's the edge that all that God's Word says about us. 1 John 5, 4. For whosoever or whatsoever is born of God, who's that? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You don't need faith when everything's going great. You don't need faith when you feel great. You need faith when it seems like all hell's coming against you and you wonder where God is. He's right there. But you believe it. Do you believe it? Romans 8.37 says this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How do you be more than a conqueror? During World War II, my father-in-law was with the 1st Marine Division. He very, very, very rarely talked about his campaigns where the United States Marines would hit the beaches and conquer the island at the cost of many men, young men. But they didn't leave when it was done. To be more than a conqueror means you now occupy. It's one thing to overcome the enemy, but now you occupy that area. You will never touch me in that area again. Never. Never. Will I be afraid or be fearful? Though I had to wait a month or year or whatever for you to move, you did move. And I guarantee you, when I get hit again, I will not be moved this time. I have occupied that area now in Jesus' name. I love what Jesus tells us in Luke 10, 19. I believe that whatever Jesus said to anyone in the word of God was to you and to me. And he says this, I have given you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Well, pastor, I'm hurting. He's talking about the spiritual hurting, destroying you, causing you to give up your faith in God. Here's what's really cool. I just taught this in a Bible school I taught in New Jersey to foreign students. He has given us power over all the power of the enemy. He has given us power. That word power is actually the word power and authority. Over all the power, that's just power of the enemy. He has given us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. I have authority, not just power. A police officer has authority because all law enforcement around the world backs him up. I may have said this last week, but Judy was out back working in one of the sheds, and I went out there to see what she was doing, and we just heard all these sirens out there. Sirens going down 33 from every direction. And I had the police scanner on my phone, and I said, that's probably ambulances and whatever. <clears throat> I didn't realize that a police officer had been shot on Route 33. Every law enforcement, every EMS, every fire department, everybody, state police, local police, sheriffs, constables, were ready because one of their own was hurt by the enemy. What do you think happens to you when you come under attack? I love Eugene Peterson's Bible. It's a paraphrase. It's his translation, but it's good, the Message Bible. He calls the Lord, the Lord or captain of God's army, angel army. Billions 
who are at your call when you use the Word of God. You're standing, you're, you're, you're speaking to your body, you're speaking to the situation, and you have the Holy Spirit's power behind it. And your prayer has power. Your words have power. But I found something. When I speak to my body, it may take a little bit. There must be something going on in the spirit realm, but I win eventually. I win because I have faith in God. God has given me, say it, God has given me not only the power, but the authority over all the power of the enemy. That's what the Word of God says. That edge, that advantage, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is given to us who ask in faith, believing that our Heavenly Father withholds no good thing to those who ask, believing that they'll receive. I don't care what you're fighting in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, in your family, whatever. You can say, Father, I need the edge. I know I have your Holy Spirit, but I'm asking specifically, I need the edge today. I need the edge to stand in faith against what I'm coming against. I need the edge to stand believing that even though I don't get what I want today, you are still on the throne and you are still my God. And this thing in the name of Jesus must go. Ask and you'll receive. That's what Jesus said. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. The tense here of these words, ask, seek, and knock, means to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And look out. Here it comes. Say, it's on its way. You may not see it, folks, but the answer is on its way. Why? You've got the edge. When people speak against you, keep your mouth shut because you've got the edge. God's on your side. When your body's not feeling it, you've got the edge. When, when you need wisdom, you've got the edge. You've got the Holy Spirit of God abiding in you, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because i got the edge. I wouldn't say that out loud, but when you're around other people and they don't know what to do, you can say with them, i got the edge. i got the edge on you. Amen? You got it? You don't got it, you ask for it. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that every person in this building today that may be suffering in their body, suffering in their mind, suffering about something, worrying about something, Lord, that even me, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I've got the edge. I have the Holy Spirit backing me up. I have the Holy Spirit of God. I have the word. I have the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment, thou shalt condemn. The word of God says, be of good courage. Trust in the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen our hearts. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Though you may not see the answer today, it is around the corner. Can you trust and have faith in me? If you lack the ability, ask for the edge. Lord, thank you. I want to have that sharpness, that keenness, and I don't want to be in the middle. I want to stand out on the edge. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Every head bow, every eye closed. I cannot end a service without doing what Jesus asked me to do and asked you to do, and that is to present the gospel. For I am anointed to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? If you're sitting here today, kind of recognize most of you, ask yourself, will you go to heaven if you were to die one hour from now? And if you're assessing the good things that you've done in life, I got news for you, you got to have a problem. Because we're not saved by our works. The works follow 
salvation. You'll want to do good works, and they'll count for something. But if you're sitting here today and you don't know whether you're going to heaven or not, I can give you the guarantee that you will. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you opened your heart and asked to Jesus, the Jesus, the Son of God, to forgive you of your sin? Lord, forgive me. And he does. And will you believe with all your heart that he'll never leave you nor forsake you? You may.